And good afternoon. Welcome to The Greenhouse. I am Pratham Wall. And I am Anna Snow. And stay tuned to hear about all things planet Earth. Exactly. Coming up on The Greenhouse, Georgia, state of Georgia, is expanding its nuclear arsenal. It's a nuclear weapon, but not one of destruction. Uh, so stick around to find out what they're doing and how long they've spent actually trying to make this a reality. But before that, we're going to talk about the UN and their new announcement about things going on with the environment. So um, anyways, we've talked about before the Paris Climate Accords, um, and they had all of this stuff planned that we needed to do all this stuff by 2050, uh-huh. um, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Exactly. Um, so the, U- the Paris Climate Accords released in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, it was landmark. So they had a certain uh, number of agreements. Yes. One of the agreements that was called for was like checking in every so often. Mm-hmm. Well, earlier this month was the first quote unquote every so often. Okay. A report was released to kind of find out. They didn't how we check were doing in for seven eight years. years. Eight years. <laughs> I guess. I guess not. They've been like checking in unofficially through these meetings called the okay. COP meetings, which we've discussed yes, before. Yes, we have. But if you listen to our episodes, you know that there's nothing actually required out of them in those meetings. Okay. This something was required. And, oh, okay. Um, Took eight years, but I guess we got there. And I guess it's like po- possible to like push back these things, you know? I guess. Uh, but so. A report's been released to like kind of figure out how we were doing, uh, and it is not great. As um, I expected. It says it's. I think it's not saying that we're doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of saying like this. Maybe the world is warmed up a little bit quicker than scientists expected. Yeah. Uh, maybe instead of a linear thing, it happened on an exponential curve. If yes. Want to like visualize that? Um, so the Paris Climate Accords, this is a big number that I think everyone talks about. One point five degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. That's compared to like pre-industrial yeah. heating levels. So 1.5 degrees was the number that many people were trying to get to, like, we can't cross this. Yeah. Um, scientists did something smart. As it turns out, the real number scientists suggested was 2.0 degrees okay. Celsius. Oh, my God. Someone's calling us. Someone's calling us. Just pick it oh, up and hang pick it. it pick it up and put it back down. Sorry if you were calling live. Sorry if that was you. We're trying to talk about the environment here. Oh, my God. They called again. Stop calling us if you are currently listening. I think I think we're good. I think are we good? Yes. Okay. Sorry I've for never, the interruption. I've never, I've never heard that ring before. It's rung during some of my other shows, but it's never rung while I've been talking. It's rung like while music is playing and the mics are off. Um, but anyways. Back to where back we're to this. About. They originally wanted two degrees not 1.5 that was the original suggestion exactly now continue Fratham. so far we've already warmed up 1.1 degrees celsius so of course we have we want to get to one point or like we're trying to not cross 1.5 by 2050 and we're already at 1.1 um the report mentions that this 1.5 degree mark could be hit as soon as 2035 which is really soon. That is really soon. And why is this happening? Well, one of the biggest contributors to this is fossil fuels. But if they're dealt with correctly, they could be part of the solution potentially. Um, so this report, it's pretty concerning because it says that the existing levels of fossil fuels that we are already exist um, will emit too much carbon dioxide, which will obviously 
you know, make, make us work. reach that basically that it's saying mark. that we can't admit any more. Yeah. What we have already will hit 1.5. Yeah. So the situation appears to be so dire, emissions need to be cut in half by the end of this decade. This decade. This decade. And we're already in 2023. So in seven years, cut in half. Um, if we stay on projected course, mm-hmm. we've been told that um, temperatures can raise as much as 2.7 degrees Celsius by 20, like 2100. Uh, so that is way past the 2.0. Um, several species would go extinct. It would be hard for us to live. And that's something we want to avoid. Um, so we're on a really bad trajectory right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, something you know, that's especially tough in the United States. You know, we're calling for all these fossil fuels to like kind of go away. Like, because there's, as the report states, there's already a lot in the air. Mm-hmm. The only way to fix it is by like cutting down. That is really hard to do. You can't just take it away. Yeah. And the reason is it's responsible for 60% of our energy production. Yeah. Eliminating all that, where are you going to get that other 60% from? Like, I'm sure we love our solar. We love different forms of energy. Solar, wind, hydro, nuclear. There's lots of options, but How do you, you get can't to 60% efficiently? immediately switch over like that. And I just want to say um, 2,100 or 2,100 or whatever, however they end up saying that year, yeah. sounds really <laughs> far off and it sounds really futuristic, but that is only 77 years away. So, yeah. I mean... I'm 21. I might not be alive in 77 years, but, like, but my future kids probably will be. Yeah. yeah. And so it, this is only there. Are, there are people alive today that 100 that will definitely be alive that year. But really, that's only one generation away from current, like right now. I know, and like timing is so weird. Like a little tease to our story later on. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk, be talking about the year 1986. A lot of people who are in their 50s were like 10 years old yeah. when that happened. Um, so like, you know, this element of time is a little interesting. Yeah. Uh, so the report that we've been talking about all day is calling for something that usually doesn't happen. Um, when presenting this UN report, the secretary general said a big solution would be to taking, um, finding like a device that sucks carbon out of the air. It's like a carbon removal strategy. Interesting. Um, he said that like countries now need to find a way to invest in them because that might be the only way. Do it, they already exist, or does someone need to like invent that? Nothing mainstream. Like I haven't heard of anything about it. So possible invention, but I bet people have always been working on this. Okay. Because that that sounds like a joke idea. Why is carbon sucks? Yeah. Then let's just take it all out of the air so I bet people, it. it's like it sounds like a joke it does yeah it's it sounds like someone's gonna take like a giant vacuum to the sky that's the way they're describing it but i i think that what realistically what it probably would be and i'm not a scientist so maybe this is wrong is some sort of filtration system that filters out certain elements and then pumps the oxygen and other good things okay. back out yeah, maybe there's an artificial way to do it. Um, um, there should be more trees, yeah. more plants that take <laughs> in that carbon dioxide and then produce oxygen. We need more. We need basically. It sounds like we need a machine that photosynthesizes. Yep. Uh, and another one of our favorite things to talk about. This UN report also made a promise. Ooh, um, a promise. Like a, a suggestion for other other countries to act. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people like the word net zero. Yes. Um, and like. Because net zero doesn't necessarily mean you're not producing anything. It means that you're you just counteracting it. So it, it stays neutral as opposed to not making anything. Exactly. Instead of generating zero, 
generate a hundred. Just find a way to get rid of that hundred. To get rid of a hundred. It's like um, if you chop down a tree and you plant it, the same number of trees. You know what I mean? You plant a new one after. So it's like that, but with emissions. Exactly. Well, everyone was, it was kind of suggested to everyone that they come up with a plan to implement net zero by 2050. That is now being moved a decade early to 2040. Interesting. Uh, point, this report was all like, act now. And they were using, you know, one thing that you, is interesting is like language. Mm-hmm. Um, they said like, this is a ticking time bomb, which yeah. a lot of people like say. Yeah. But this officially called it a ticking time bomb. Interesting. Um, and, you know, I think there is a sense of not wanting to create fear, like not wanting citizens to be afraid for the, the future and stuff. But some of the language that they're using in this, I'm noticing, is more extreme than I've seen in past stuff from the UN and not even only from the UN, other political and things that they've said. Like they I don't think they would use the term ticking time bomb in, you know, any, another case. Like, I haven't heard them use... Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, language like that before, which makes me think that this... I mean, not even think. I mean, I we do this show. I know that this is really bad. Yeah. But the fact that they're emphasizing it more makes it seem like it's more extreme than maybe even we realize. Exactly. Um, so we'll see. I, I Like, there's nothing set in stone here. Like, it's Of course like, there's not. Please, it, this pleading with other countries, may, please do it by 2040 instead of by 2050. Yeah. Um, the U.S. is one of them who's guilty. Um, currently, they have a plan for net zero emissions, but it's 2050 for them. Uh, they also are asking other countries to do it, m- make like a net zero plan. Mm-hmm. But it's a suggestion. Here's what they said in a press release. Okay. Uh, at the 2022 United Nations Climate Change Conference of the Parties, COP27. Yes. You, we talked about this in November, uh, the United States launched the, quote, Next Zero Government Initiative, inviting governments to lead by example and achieve net zero emissions from national government operations by no later than 2050. So the U.S. now has to kind of draw back the statement both for themselves and for, like, other countries, because now that is not correct. I mean, if they want, if they still want to be this you know, lead by example, then they need to do it by 2040 now, if that's really what the U.N. is saying, because it's not really going to set a good example if you're 10 years behind the recommendation, you know? Yeah. And this makes this press release, we were quoting that, makes it seem really good, but it seemed, there was like a catch. Of course there was. Yeah. I like to stay optimistic, but sometimes mm-hmm. when we read these things from the UN, things from governments, I'm like, this is just a lot of talk. With That's exactly what it was. It was all talk. It was, it was the U.S. announcing a plan to ask other countries to make a plan that would be presented later on. So there's a lot of future in that. Um, so it's going to be presented at a future climate conference. So there was nothing to, nothing actually on paper to show. See, this is just, I don't like this stuff when it's just like all talk. It's like do something because if it's just all talk, it feels like you're just doing it to make yourself look good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, as we were talking about COP27, there is something to look forward to. COP28, which is... The next one in the sequence is happening in the UK in November. Okay. So we'll That's see not too if, far away. That's we'll this s- year at least. We'll see if anything happens. Um, yeah, but the point is it ha- it's supposed to be every year. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like they chose to meet. Um, they're doing it anyways. It's like previously scheduled. Oh, But okay. maybe something will get done because this, this UN report will give countries time to think. They have eight months to do this. Um, so let's see what happens. <sighs> I don't even have something to say to that. I'm just like, 
<laughs> another meeting where it's just going to be a lot of talk and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to make a plan to make a plan to make a plan to make a plan <laughs> to make but a plan, apparently. The only thing, like, for my personal interest, what I really want to see, I want to see this carbon dioxide removal. <laughs> I want to see that, too, because this sounds like it's literally from, like, a cartoon. Like, I feel like... Like Dr. Doofenshmirtz would have like a sky vacuum or something. The sky vacuuminator. Like, yeah. <laughs> Not the sky vacuuminator. Coming up next on the greenhouse, we're going to be going from one type of our environment crisis to a sign of hope. It something better. We're going to end on a bit more of an optimistic note, hopefully. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Greenhouse on Blaze Radio. Welcome back to The Greenhouse. I'm Pratham Blal. And I'm Anna Snow. And now we are switching gears and we're going to talk about nuclear power and how this could be a potential solution or one of many solutions to help um, phase out fossil fuels. Exactly. Uh, right now, there is not, there's somewhat of an, a reliance on nuclear power. When I was doing research, I actually didn't know the number was this high. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the EPA, 34% of our energy comes from new natural gas. Seems reasonable. Okay. Uh, 30% comes from coal, which, you know, again, reasonable. Two big causes of uh, yeah. pollution. But there's another big chunk remaining, about 20%. And 20% of the nation's electricity comes from nuclear power. That only adds up to 84. What, where's the rest I of it? I guess there's more. I guess there's more. I guess that else. would probably be small amounts. But this was like of, the third big chunk. That's the third biggest. I guess the rest of it would probably be... Little solar, bit of water, solar water, mix. yeah, would probably be smaller percentages of that. Good math. Um, I had to do that in my head. I was reading these numbers like while you were talking, like, mm, let me add these together. Um, but a new move is on the way that could expand the productivity of nuclear power, and that's because a new kind of nuclear plant is being built uh, to kind of ex- expand how much the nation can generate. So we want to kind of take a look back at how nuclear power works and recent inv- advancements that have happened in the field of nuclear yes. energy. So currently, according to the Nuclear Energy Institute, there are 53 plants and they have a combined total of 92 reactors. So we've talked about this a little bit before, but here is a brief breakdown of how a nuclear plant works. First, a nuclear element releases energy through a process called fission. And the fission releases heat, which heats up water, which generates steam, which powers a a turbine. So there's a lot of moving parts here. Yes. But if you paid close attention to them, a lot of those moving parts were reusable or don't generate a ton of emissions. Yes. Uh, So greenhouse or greenhouse, nuclear energy (laughs) is really clean because it has these limited emissions. Obviously, obviously it has a couple flaws. Um, First, building, you need to use a lot of metal, a lot of like safe um, machinery because you are dealing with so much heat. Yeah. And the second thing that people run into, which we've been running into like just overall in the world, is water. Because once you heat water, it takes a long time for it to cool down. Yeah. Um, so there has a couple of problems. But overall, it is very clean. But um, one thing that's been running into that we're going to talk about now is kind of the PR for nuclear energy. It doesn't have great PR. It doesn't have the best... <laughs> it needs a spokesperson. Um, the best reputation... Um, but and a lot of that is because there have been accidents. Obviously, we all know about Chernobyl that happened yes. in 1986. That's what we hinted at earlier. Um, but you have to understand, like, the I think that it's very rare. It's very rare. Um, and I I am not a expert on Chernobyl, but my guess would be that there were some type of safety precautions that were not followed. That it was probably preventable. Can't say that for sure. 
I think so. And I think, you know, just with time, safety advances. Safety has advanced. So even if it wasn't an intentional thing, I think the way that they built these in 1996 is going to be very different than how they look today. Um, and in fact, that's one of the reasons we'll get into how expensive these things are to build. A lot of so that expensive. being due to how many safety features that they have to implement. And obviously, you're still going to have accidents. Like, we did have an accident uh, in the United States. We found out it was in Philadelphia. It was in the mm-hmm. 1980s. It was called Three was in... Mile Island. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we had a disaster in Japan in 2011 mm-hmm. after an earthquake. Um, but people it's still... It's very limited. We can count them on like a And handful. most accidents are not to the extent that Chernobyl was. Like, in Pennsylvania, where that happened... I mean, I've never heard of anyone not being able to live there. Exactly. And I, like, I think we're always taught about, like, you know, Chernobyl, Chernobyl, Chernobyl. That's Mm -hmm. why I thought no one even uses nuclear power. But the 20% really shocked me. And I wonder how many other people would be shocked to hear we get a decent chunk of our power from nuclear energy. Yeah, it is interesting to think about. Um, And, you know, whether or not you you know, like nuclear power or whatnot. Like I was like, it's clearly being used by the U S and stuff. And I feel like we might as well use it to its fullest extent that we can, because like I said, it's way better for the environment than coal and natural gas. And nuclear power is not a finite resource. There's no limit to how you can do that fission process, have the reactors going as much as you want. Whereas, like, there will be a time where the United States or the world runs out of coal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and nuclear energy may be, like, a tap resource. It's just there's a lot more mm-hmm. of it. Um, it. It's, like, it's, it is still a finite resource, but so little gets but used. But not in the same way that, like, coal can coal. be. Coal. And, yeah. like, that's, like, I just, like, we've, we've talked about mining on here before and also how bad mining can be for the planet. So, like, coal yeah. is, like... And... I think for the fear, um, nuclear power plants have not been built in mm-hmm. a long time, but there is a new plant in Georgia that is opening up soon. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully, because they've been working on it for a while, which you'll, we'll explain in a bit. Um, a nuclear power plant is being opened. It's called Plant Votal, or V-O-G-T-L-E. You tell Vogtel? us how, how to pronounce that. Um, and it's run by an Atlanta-based power company. Yes. Um, and so they're actually, they already exist, but they're building two new reactors called Unit 3 and Unit 4. And they work the same way that we discussed earlier with fission. Um, now, like we said, this is not new. They've been working on this for a while. This plan actually got approved in 2009. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. That's like 13 years? Math? 14. 14. 14, 14 years. years. Um, and so approved in 2009, if it had worked normally. Mm-hmm. Um, they were supposed to be ready in 2016. Now, here's the thing. We're talking about this now in 2023. So this was, yeah, this was supposed to be finished seven years ago. And now it could be opening soon. Unit 3, which is just one of them, mm-hmm. is expected to open in May or June of this year. And Unit 4, not until sometime in 2024. So it takes a long time just overall to make nuclear energy work. Yeah. Um, but this is a big cost, and I think it's a big cost for taxpayers because it's run by, like, a public entity. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier how expensive this is. Let's get into more details of that. In the total, the cost of the reactors is due to some of it and due to the delay has made it 
cost more. But it's now about $30 billion. That is inc- Total, that is insane. Wow. That is so much money. Originally, they were only going to cost $14 billion, but again, because so of the delays doubled. and stuff, yeah, it over doubled. Um, this is a common thing for nuclear reactors to cost more than they initially thought. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. Um, one of them being, like we mentioned earlier, um, safety measures that are required by law, as they should be. I don't want yeah. them building these if they're going to be unsafe for the employees and for the people in the surrounding area. I don't want them to half do it in any way. Um, I mean, <laughs> the building, like there's obviously materials required to build the physical reactors and stuff. But um, a lot of that expense is due to all of the safety measures that they p- put in. Exactly. Uh, they have to think about like the physical protection of the actual nuclear material, the thing that's supposed to like make it go boom. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of times, like sometimes I think at coal places, sometimes you mine and you like convert on the same spot. Some mm-hmm. places you do, some places you don't. Yeah. Uh, you don't really do that with nuclear um, energy, so you have to find a way to transport it. Um, and I like I think you don't want it like taken away either. You yeah. Need, like cybersecurity stuff because everything is like automated. Um, so there are a lot of, like, precautions that have to go into the making of a nuclear facility. Um, and then, you know, you need a certain, like, area of protection, too. Like, yeah. just in case things goes out, like, a Chernobyl or a Three Mile Island, um, yeah. you want to kind of, like, separate it from humanity. Uh, so one thing is, like, they have to be rural. Yes. Um, and take a second and talk about Chernobyl. Um, in doing this research for this episode, I was looking up, like, what Chernobyl looks like now, 30-plus years later. Um, and what has happened. And so it said there are about 200 um, elderly individuals that live there who have chosen to live there, but young people are not allowed to move there. Children are not allowed to move there, um, which is kind of funny because I feel like they're like, well, you're close to dying anyway. If why you want to live wanna there, live I don't know why they make that choice. They <laughs> want to get away from everyone else, literally. Um, it also has affected a lot of the wildlife in the area. So Basically, a lot of, you know, we see all these TV and movies and comic books and stuff that have radia, you know, this radiation happens or, you know, it causes mutations and it makes them a superhero or whatever. It's actually generally the opposite. So there have been several documented cases of animals being born with lots of deformities and dying only hours later. Unless you're a fish... Because apparently with the fish, it supercharges their growth and they get a lot bigger. (laughs) Um, I can't imagine how that looks like. (laughs) Every other animal, like, they've discovered in birds. They discovered much smaller brain size. Um, A lot of them are born with facial deformities, extra limbs, things like that. But I guess the fish are just out here winning. Um, (laughs) You, right? And so, like, um, hopefully it recovers. Uh, But as you said, like, it could take more than... It is recovering, and there's actually so... Um, the only truly wild species of horse um, has made a huge recovery because a lot of they're not being impacted by humans in the same way because there aren't any humans there anymore. Um, and now there are some species of horses in the the United States that we kind of think of as as wild horses, but they're actually considered similar to cats, feral domestic horses. Like they're the same species, but they're just feral. Um, like cat colonies, uh-huh. but in Russia they have one last species of truly um, wild horses that was very endangered and has seen a comeback um, since 1986. Wow. And you would want to study Chernobyl if you live in Arizona because in Arizona you may be shocked to know that there are actually two, at least two, generating stations um, here. According to Google Maps, there's one at the Palo Verde generating station in the west and at the Chola power plant up north. Um, they both look to be in rural areas. But um, 
they do exist in Arizona. Do you know how far either of those is from Phoenix? Uh, but like the northern one, um, quite a bit. Okay. But the Palo Verde one is a little close. I see. Yeah, Palo Verde is not it's, all that far away. Yeah. Anyways. The last thing before we go is we got a rapid fire round. Um, quick thing. There is a big advancement in nuclear technology that not a lot of people have talked about. So we've talked a lot about fission, which is where you split apart. Separating them, yes. Um, this, like, these nuclear atoms. Um, now, there's another way. There's called nuclear fusion, where you join them together. Uh, you would think that'd be easy. Turns out that's not the case. Turns out it takes a lot of energy to mesh them together. So for the longest time, scientists have tried to fuse things together, but they wouldn't produce any electricity because it would all go to waste joining them. Yeah, it would take so much power to do the process that they didn't actually make anything. It was either net zero or actually net negative, like negative exactly. energy. In December, so really recent, at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, which is like five miles from my house. Oh, wow. A little scary that they're doing that near me. Um, <laughs> but they found a way to like put them together and actually get like a positive thing. So there's not Amazing. only are they building new plants as we're seeing in Georgia, they're also finding new ways to be efficient. I would like to see if in the future, and this is the last thing we're going to say, um, if they can find a way to split them apart and then put them back together and, and then split them the apart energy. and put it back together. You <laughs> yeah. know, like it could that could be the process. Yeah. Um, and then if you're splitting it apart and putting it back together, then it it's not finite anymore. Then you're just you could be using yeah. the same stuff over again. Maybe that's not possible. I don't <laughs> know about science, but maybe that's something they could. I, I bet know. scientists are. Well, it takes and you realize there are other things to prioritize. Like, oh. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. I'm Pratham Ball. And I'm Anna Snow. Don't forget to tune in next week for all things planet Earth. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day.